Section 2 of The Pearl Fountain and Other Fairy Tales. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Greg Giordano. The Pearl Fountain and Other Fairy Tales by Bridget and Julia Cavanaugh. Chapter 2 The Silver Fish. There was a palace once, and in the palace there lived a queen, who was called the Queen of Emeralds. She had so many of them. In front of the palace there was a large pond, and the queen, thinking what a pity it would be to keep it empty, had it stocked with gold and silver fishes. Everyone said how clever that was of the queen, and everyone was pleased, save the frogs who lived in an old well in the garden behind the palace. They were very angry indeed that the queen had not put them into the pond. What can the queen want with gold and silver fishes? said a frog called Jumper. Can they jump in and out of the water as I do? Besides, they are dumb, said Croker, and I have a lovely voice. Jumping and singing are all very well, said Bulrush, the oldest of the frogs. But what I do not like is that the water goes from our well to feed that pond. We shall be left dry some day unless I put a stop to it. We wish you would, Bulrush, said all the other frogs. You are so clever, you know. I know I am, answered Bulrush stiffly. Well, don't make a noise, you young frogs. I want to think it over. Bulrush went among the reeds and had a nap there. And when he woke, he prowled about the well, till he found where the water was conveyed from it to the pond along a dark leaden tube. Bulrush was a bold frog. He floated bravely down the great rush of water, and never stopped till he came to an iron grating. The bars were too close for him to get in through, but he peeped between them and saw gold and silver fishes swimming about in the pond. He stared at them with his big eyes, till one of the young gold fishes saw him, and tumbled over on his back with fright. "'Idiot!' croaked Bulrush, but he swam back to the well and as he had to go against the stream, he was very much out of breath by the time he got there. Well, said all the frogs, crowding round him, what have you found out, Bulrush? I have found out that there is nothing uglier than a gold fish, answered Bulrush, unless it be a silver one. Oh, dear me, said the frogs, are they so hideous as all that? But what about our business? When will you begin, Bulrush? Begin what? he asked crossly. Begin preventing the water from leaving our well, to be sure, said Jumper. Indeed, sneered Bulrush. And how would you do that, if you please? Why, said Jumper, I should stop the hole, of course. And the queen would get it unstopped and turn us all out of the well. "'answered Bulrush. 
No, Jumper, that will not do. And now, don't make a noise. I want to think it over. Upon which Bulrush went into the reeds and took a very long nap there. Some busybody went and told the queen how angry and jealous the frogs were. But the queen only laughed and said, Let them be angry. I shall do as I please. Every day she had a large cake baked for the gold and silver fishes, and every morning she went and fed them with her own hand. When they saw the queen standing on the edge of the pond with the cake in a basket, all the gold and silver fishes swam towards her, seven rows deep, and one little silver fish, the smallest of them, swam at their head and kept them in order. He hindered the big ones from pushing the little ones about, and when the little ones got rude or too frolicsome, he would just go and give them such a whisk of his tail that they were glad to dive down and hide their heads for shame. The queen was so pleased with this that she said to him one day, Little silverfish, I am going to make you king of the other fishes. May it please your majesty, said the little silverfish, very uneasy. I would rather remain as I am. Besides, the other fishes will never acknowledge me as their king. But they must, said the queen, and to show them that you are their king and sovereign, I shall give you one of my own emeralds, and you shall wear it. Oh, may it please your majesty, said the little silver fish, more uneasy than ever. If the other fishes see me with an emerald, and they get none, they will hate me and perhaps take it from me. But the queen would have her way. She bade her jeweler measure the neck of the silver fish, and make him a little collar of gold thread with one of her emeralds set in it. And when the collar was made, she put it herself round the neck of the silver fish, and told all the other gold and silver fishes that they were to obey him, for now he was their king. Whatever they thought about this, the gold and silver fishes were too much afraid of the queen, and too fond of cake, to say a word against anything she might do. They cried, Long live Silverfish! and bobbed before him, and matters went on just as they had gone on before. The only difference was that the little silver fish wore his gold collar with the emerald at the back, for all the other fishes to know him by. It certainly was the prettiest thing in the world to see him swimming about with that thread of gold round his little neck and the beautiful emerald shining in the water. The silver fish had been king a year, wanting a day, when the queen came one evening to the edge of the pond and said to the fishes, I am going away tomorrow morning early. I want to see my daughter who is married to the king of the Diamond Isles, as you know but I have left orders to the cook to make and bake your cake every day, and to my prime minister to come and feed you every morning with his own hand. Long live your majesty, cried the gold and silver fishes. Will you be good whilst I am away? said the queen. Oh, so good. And not push forward and fight for the largest bits? Oh, never. And above all things, will you obey, little silver fish? Obey him? Why, the gold and silver fishes all protested that they would die for him. Nay, if he liked it, 
they would carry him on their backs, so that he need swim no more. No need for that, said the queen, but mind you obey Silverfish. He is your king, and whilst he wears the gold collar with the emerald in it, the water will never leave your pond. But if any of you should try to take that collar off, the pond will run dry in no time. With that, the queen went away. Well, the cook made and baked the cake every day, and the prime minister went and fed the fishes every morning for a week. But on the morning of the seventh day after the queen was gone, the prime minister, instead of getting up early, said to his wife, I am afraid there is something wrong with our poor queen. I really do not see why the queen has set me to feed fishes. You are a great deal too clever for it, my dear, answered his wife. Well, I think I am, said the prime minister. Besides, the queen works me so hard when she is at home that I feel I ought to have a holiday now that she is away. I want to lie in bed a little in the morning. Of course you do, answered his wife. Send your page Jeremy, and do not get up before eleven. When the cook saw that it was Jeremy, and not his master who fed the fishes, she thought, Why should those fishes have cake? Bread is good enough for them. Besides, I dare say that big boy eats half of it, and I am really tired making and baking a cake every day. Bread they shall have, and if they will not eat it, why, they may leave it. Accordingly, when Jeremy came the next morning, the cook gave him a loaf of bread and no cake. The boy took the loaf to the pond and threw it in in big lumps to the fishes, who were there as usual, seven rows deep, with silverfish at their head. I am afraid there is something wrong with our poor queen, said Silverfish. This is bread and not cake. Still, bread is good, and we must be glad to get it. Bread and not cake, cried all the fishes. We will not touch it. We will starve first. Silverfish tried to argue with them, and said that maybe the queen could afford cake no longer, and that bread was very good, and so on. They would not even listen to him, but all declared in a breath that they would rather die than eat bread. Jeremy went back to his master and said, Please, sir, the fishes will not eat. They made a great hubbub over what I threw to them, and the meaning of it all was that they would not eat whilst the queen was away. Very well, said the prime minister, who was still half asleep. Go and tell the cook that the fishes will not eat whilst the queen is away, and that she need bake nothing for them till her majesty comes back. Well, when the hour at which the fishes were fed came round the next morning, they all swam to the edge of the pond, seven rows deep, and waited for their cake. But no cake did they get. I suppose we must eat bread, grumbled the older and the wiser ones, shaking their heads at the thought. But though they waited, telling each other of the good old times when fishes had cake every morning, and there was no talk of bread, neither bread nor cake did there come to them that morning. When they were tired with waiting, the fishes swam away, and when they got too hungry they swam back, and nibbled at the bread that still floated about the pond. 
They nibbled so well that only one piece was left, and the biggest of the gold fishes and the biggest of the silver fishes had a set battle over that last piece, whilst the other fishes looked on, and the more daring ones kept darting at it in the hope of getting a few crumbs. Silverfish tried to keep the peace, but no one would mind him. Who are you, sir, to dictate to us? asked a big fellow, giving him a push. Yeah, who are you? said another, swimming up to his very nose and bobbing his big head up and down at him. Silverfish modestly replied that he was their king, upon which the two big fishes burst out laughing. It was no use reminding them that they had promised the queen to obey him. One fish found out that it would have been all right if Silverfish had been king a year, but as there wanted a day to the year when the queen went away, he could be no king at all. And another fish said quite loud that the best of all reasons for not minding a word Silverfish could say was that if their cake had been stopped, it was because he was in league with the cook. In short, Every fish in the pond quarreled with another fish, and there was only one thing the fishes agreed upon, and it was that Silver Fish had done all the mischief. Hang him, said some. Put him in prison, said others. Don't touch him, said a clever fellow, whilst he wears the queen's emerald. If you do, she will hang us all like so many herrings. This frightened them all. They knew the queen was very strict, and no fish likes to be hung. No one dared to touch silver fish after that. And, indeed, as it was getting late, the fishes gave up quarreling for that day, and went to bed feeling both sulky and hungry. Bulrush, who was very cunning, made no attempt against the gold and silver fishes, whilst the queen of emeralds stayed at home. But he set all the young frogs to gather him fine strong grasses, and when he had had enough of them, he made a large net. This net was just finished when the queen went away, and Bulrush at once set to mischief. He picked up an acquaintance with that same young goldfish whom he had so frightened once, but who was not at all afraid of him now. They met at midnight at the grating when all the other fishes were asleep, and they plotted together against Silverfish. The young goldfish told Bulrush how their cake first, then their bread had been stopped, how they were starving every fish of them, and how Silverfish was the cause of it all. And what business has he to be our king? said the young goldfish. He is only silver after all and the only gold about him is that collar which the queen gave him. If you had a bit of spirit, you would take that collar off, said Bulrush. We dare not, replied the young goldfish. It is a gold collar, and it has one of the queen's emeralds, and if we were to take it off, all the water would run out of our pond. Well, said Bulrush, I shall tell you what to do, my friend. Help me to catch silver fish, and I will take him away to a well and keep him there. You will not hurt him, said the young goldfish. No, no, never, replied Bulrush. And you will not take his collar off, said the young goldfish. 
Of course not, answered Bulrush. And what shall I have for giving him up to you? asked the trader. You shall have the queen's emerald, said Bulrush. I was prenticed to a jeweler and can take it out quite easily. The bargain was struck, and the next thing was to know how they were to catch silver fish. Well, it was agreed that Bulrush should come with his net to the edge of the pond that very night, and that when he had thrown it into the water, the young goldfish should beguile silver fish into it. They parted very well pleased with each other, for the young goldfish had a silver collar, which was an heirloom in his family, and he thought how he could put the emerald into it, and perhaps be king. And Bulrush laughed in his sleeve to think what faces the fishes would make when he took off Silverfish's collar, and all the water ran out of the pond. "'Well, our time has come at last,' said Bulrush to the other frogs when he got home. "'I have found it all out.' "'What have you found out, Bulrush?' cried the frogs. "'Why, there is a silver fish in the pond who wears a collar of gold with the queen's emerald in it, and that if we can get this collar off his neck, all the water will run out of the pond.' "'Will it?' cried the frogs. "'What a good thing! And how clever you are, Bulrush!' "'I know I am,' said Bulrush. "'And now listen to me.' Then Bulrush told the frogs about his net." and how the young goldfish was to drive silverfish into it. Silverfish, said Jumper, how do you know he is the right one? Perhaps he is called silverfish because he is gold and not silver. I say drag the pond and get all the fishes out. Yes, cried the frogs, drag the pond and get all the fishes out. The upstarts have been in it long enough. Hold your tongue said Bulrush very sharply. Let us get Silverfish out first. Then we will drag the pond after that, if you like. All the frogs now harnessed themselves to the net, and dragged it from the well, across the garden to the pond, in front of the palace. Bulrush then gave the signal he had agreed upon with the traitor, three croaks, each a little louder than the last, and immediately the young goldfish, who was on the watch, put his head out of the water. It was a clear, moonlit night, and he saw Bulrush and the other frogs all standing in a row on the edge of the pond. "'Dear me, Bulrush,' he whispered, "'how many of you are there?' "'The net is heavy,' answered Bulrush, "'so my friends have helped me to carry it.' "'Dear me,' said the young goldfish, who began to feel uneasy. What a large net to catch only one fish. Come, no nonsense, said Bulrush. Where is Silverfish? I think I would rather not tell you, answered the young goldfish, diving down. He thought to hide in a hole and be safe there, but it was too late. Cast the net, cried Bulrush in a rage. That fish is a traitor. Jumper who was on the other side of the pond, set his frogs to work, and Bulrush set his, and the net was thrown, and the pond was dragged, and the fishes, who woke up in a fright, tried to hide and could not, and they were all taken out and caught by the frogs, and thrown in a heap on the sand and gravel. 
Now, said Jumper, with a croaking laugh, let us go home and leave these fine fellows there. No, said Bulrush, that will never do. The queen would know what we have been about, and punish us, for you know she is very strict. We must throw all these fishes back again into the water, excepting Silverfish. He is a little fish with a gold collar and an emerald in it. You will know him quite easily. Bring him to me when you find him. I wish to take his collar off with my own hands and to see the water run out of the pond. I think, too, we shall leave Silverfish out. He will die, of course, but then the queen will think the other fishes have done it, and at all events she cannot give him another collar. If he is dead, you know. The frogs would rather have left all the fishes out of the water and killed every one of them, but they were afraid of the queen. They did as Bulrush told them, and began tumbling the fishes about and looking for little silver fish. Now, just fancy what silver fish felt when he heard Bulrush. He was lying under a heap of other fishes all panting, all full of gravel, all feeling just ready to die and all thinking that the end of the world had surely come, when gold and silver fishes could be so treated. Some shed tears, some begged for mercy, some abused the frogs, and some called on silver fish to help them. But silver fish said never a word. He covered himself with earth as well as he could, so that he was all black with mud, and that you could see nothing of his gold collar. He got on his back to hide his emerald, then he shut his eyes and stiffened himself out, as if he were dead, and lay quite still. All this time the frogs were pulling the poor fishes about, looking for silver fish with his gold collar and his emerald, and sneering at every fish they handled. "'Go and clean yourself, my fine fellow,' they said to one, as they threw him back into the water. "'Where is your gold?' they said to another. It was all gritty with sand. Stop, said Jumper, as he saw the young gold fish, who had put his silver collar on just ready for the emerald, as he thought. Stop, I say. Do not throw him back, if you please. A gold fish with a silver collar? He is our man. No, Jumper, said Bulrush. We want a silver fish with a gold collar. Nonsense, said Jumper. They called him silver because he was gold, and they said his collar was gold because it was silver. Jumper, I am amazed at you, said Bulrush. Do you not see that this fish has got no emerald? Well, I suppose it fell out, answered Jumper, who always would have the last word. Now, whilst Bulrush and Jumper were arguing, the other frogs had thrown back all the gold and silver fishes into the water save little silver fish he was so dirty poor fellow that there was no knowing now whether he was gold or silver not a sign of his collar could the frog see for the mud and as he lay on his back his emerald was hidden the frogs could have seen it if they had turned him over but somehow or other they never thought about that he has no gold collar said a frog he has no emerald said another he is dead said a third let us throw him into his friends since they are so hungry they had better eat him 
all the frogs laughed and nudged each other and one winked and said don't hurt his feelings with that they tossed silverfish into the water and stood to see him float since that is the way of all dead fishes but silverfish was not dead and he did not float no sooner was he in the water than he became quite lively and swam about to clean himself presently his little silver coat shone as bright as bright could be and lo there was the collar of gold round his neck and the beautiful emerald in it so bright and sparkling for it was such a lovely moonlit night that all the frogs could see it quite plainly well when the frogs saw that the dead fish was a live fish and that he was silver fish with the collar of gold and the emerald in it they were in such a rage as frogs never were in before but the angriest frog of all was bulrush now you idiot he cried shaking his fist at jumper and giving the young goldfish a kick is that silver fish come he added turning to the other frogs let us throw in the net again and catch him yes yes cried the frogs let us catch him the traitor who was alive and pretended to be dead more easily said than done laughed silverfish diving down and indeed it could not be done at all for when the frogs thought to throw their net again they found that the weight of the fishes had made a great big hole in it and that it was worthless bulrush what shall we do with this fish said jumper pointing to the young goldfish let him lie there and die croaked bulrush in his deepest voice bulrush what shall we do with ourselves asked jumper scratching his head go home snarled bulrush and home all the frogs went leaving the young goldfish on the edge of the pond with his silver collar round his neck and now the gold and silver fishes had got a lesson and they begged little silver fish to forgive them he did so willingly but that gave them back neither bread nor cake and they might have starved if the queen had not luckily come home in time to set matters right when she went to the pond she found the young goldfish lying there in a dying state though much exhausted he could still speak and had breath enough to tell the queen of his treason and of the misdeeds of bulrush and the frogs the queen turned out her prime minister at once for having been too fond of lying in bed gave the cook warning for not having obeyed her orders and had the well stopped up so that the frogs could never get out again and make mischief bulrush died with spite but silverfish was king all the days of his life end of section two recording by greg giordano newport ritchie florida